Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2007. This is Robert sharing on Step 1. Yeah, my name's Robert and I'm an alcoholic. And, uh, I do have the privilege to be able to share here today. And um, it's amazing. The last time I stood in front of a place like this with two microphones was the county court in 1990. <laughs> it's a little bit daunting. And I give myself up. But, uh, yeah, um, I'm sober today through my association with Alcoholics Anonymous and a belief in God. And um, just that statement's amazing. I, uh, just a little bit about myself. I uh, picked up a drink at 15 and uh, I had that personality change and I became violent. And... Um, at the age of 19 I was jailed because of what happened when I drank and um, it didn't end there, it went on and um, I'd heard about Alcoholics Anonymous at a young age and from whom I can't remember, all I know is that I'd heard about Alcoholics Anonymous and I decided that I uh, may have a problem with alcohol but um, I was young and um, I played sport, I, I regard myself as fit, I was physically well and um, it's just a bit of fun. But uh, when you're 19 and you, you stand in that court and he, uh, the magistrate says I sentence you to jail, the uh, 15 year old boy came out and um, I was full of fear and I was full of fear before I, before that happened, but I really knew what fear meant when I knew that as a 15-year-old boy in a 19-year-old bloke's body. But anyway, I uh, got to my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous in 1974, and um, that was quite a thing in itself. I, I uh, went to this meeting and on, on the, when I walked through the door and I found when I finally walked up to the door, there were those plastic uh, or baubles like streamers and I pushed them apart and they banged against the wall. And a dozen blokes turned around and looked and I stood there and uh, I know today the, the secretary's name was Mick and this was in Geelong. And it was a Friday night in Jeringap Street. And um, he said, who are you looking for? And uh, I said, I think you. And he said, are you an alcoholic? I said, I think so. And to the left, they had an Al-Anon meeting going. And um, the place I was in was the right place. And as I took a couple of steps forward, a bloke took my hand. He, he's dead today. His name was Forbes. He said, come in and sit down. And uh, that was my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I can still remember looking at these uh, banners and uh, saying to myself, what have I got myself into here, for God's sake, or for my sake, or for ever's sake? But this bloke said, uh, just sit down, mate, and do the best you can. Do you want a coffee or a tea? Yeah. And I hadn't had a drink for a couple of days, I remember that. 
and he gave me a cup of tea, R4. And I thought, that'd be right, half a cup of tea. <laughs> half measures. But anyway, I, I walked out of there and this bloke said to me, what you do, mate, if you're an alcoholic, you don't pick up one drink for one day and you attend meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I believe things will work for you if you can just do that. And um, I did that for a couple of weeks and I felt pretty good. I was getting smarter and the bloke in the mirror was getting a bit better looking and who needs Alcoholics Anonymous, you know? I got things to do. And so off I went. And I decided uh, that what I do was not drink and just not drink. Who needs to go to Alcoholics Anonymous? You know? And I, I think I was probably the youngest there. So, I, you know, I thought, me being Einstein, that uh, I'll get there a little bit later. You know, in my 30s, when I'm an old bastard. 30s, 40s. <laughs> so off I went. And um, it wasn't long later that uh, I was in trouble with the booze again, as happens to alcoholics like me when you continue to drink and I was in front of a doctor and the doctor said what's the problem I haven't been to work for three or four days what do you want me to do I said I want you to give me one of them, one of them little certificates so I can go back to work da 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 and he sort of looked at my form you know or whatever they call it the, uh, the times I'd been to see him beforehand and he said, you, you seem to, to come in here when you've uh, had time off or getting a nose fixed or a jaw fixed or something like that. And he said, uh, maybe alcohol. And uh, maybe he was right. Who knows? And I just said, look, mate, just give us the form and I'll be out of here and back to work tomorrow. But one thing he did say, he said, uh, and I used to time my trips to the doctors for nine o'clock, sit in the waiting room for 20 minutes, see the doctor for 10, half an hour later, you're in the bath. That's it. And that's what I'd planned this day. And um, he said to me, do, do you read? And I said, yes, I do. And he said, if you go past the library and you remember, he said, if you go in there, there's a book in there called Alcoholics Anonymous. And he said, uh, do yourself a favour, pick it up. He said, open any page you like. If you're an alcoholic, there'll be something in there about you. So off I trundled, walked past the doctors through the park to the library. The Eureka Hotel was about 300 metres down on the right past the library. I had a bit of time, I'll drop in and I'll grab this book. So I grabbed the book and I walked out and sat out, out the front of the Eureka. It was five to ten, of course. A couple of other blokes lobbed and we uh, started reading the big book. And I said, there's you and there's you. And look, there's a little bit here about you and you and you. And we took it into the bar and we uh, went through the big book. And I got thrown out. And a few of the others got thrown out as well. And... Uh, to this day, I don't know what happened to that big book. 
or if he's still in the bar of the Eureka. I might hit him on the head with it when it's time to go. But anyway, that's... Uh, and I was in and out of Alcoholics Anonymous and a few other places, and, and it was because I drank. And uh, I'll try to make this as short as I can now. And I was in places such as Griswold and Pleasant View and Smith Street Clinic, Geelong Hospital, Moravan Hospital, St Vincent's Hospital, Heatherton. And uh, I wasn't there because I couldn't tap dance. And it was all the booze. And in all this mayhem and madness, I was the father of a, a son and a daughter. And my son seen all the, the violence, etc. And my daughter seen a little bit of it because I was out of her life by the time she was five. But um, it's quite an amazing thing how, how all these things happen. And what happened was, in all this madness and insanity, I um, managed to keep putting my bum on a seat of Alcoholics Anonymous every now and again when things got too hard. And um, a bloke at the gallery became that uh, closed mouth friend, and I used to sit with him sometimes when I was. I'd slowed down a little and uh, I was asked him about the steps and uh, step one admitted we were powerless over alcohol and to be I, I didn't have any idea really what that meant that my life had become unmanageable powerless didn't like that word powerless I'd done alright you know I've done all right, don't worry about that. And uh, I said, I have to admit that I'm powerless over alcohol. And when I looked at that, I had to put it in up here. And I said, the booze has got you stuffed. You know? And when the alcohol's in, the logic's out. And he said, no, mate, you go by what's written there. Your work out has got you where you are. Go by what's written there. So I learnt a little bit. Of it. And I learnt that admitting that I was powerless over alcohol was probably the first, first bit of honesty in Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I knew nothing about accepting. And I knew my life was unmanageable because people had told me. And gee whiz, they must be right. But I did. I looked back and yeah. Now, to admit and to accept were two things for me. And um, I love the word alcoholic. I hated, despised being called a drunk. They were fighting words for me if someone called me a drunk. But when someone one day called me an alcoholic, I thought, that sounds a bit classy. I don't mind this. <laughs> A dirty drunk's no good, but an alcoholic. It's like a university. You know? And I thought, well, that's all right, yeah. But I had to sit in meetings and I had to listen and I had to accept that I was an alcoholic and that's what I found the hardest. I found it hard to accept that I couldn't have a drink for the, for the rest of my life. 
And these people would say to me, no, 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 it's only for today, Rob. And I'd say, yeah, but it's for the rest of my bloody life, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it's only for today. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. It's for the rest of my bloody life. That's what it is. But I um, started to understand step one and that, my, that I was powerless over alcohol and this guy said to me, so what you need to do is change everything, the way you think, where you go, da-da-da-da-da. And I had to find a power. And um, the power for me then was, was Alcoholics Anonymous because when I sat in the meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, I felt okay, I slowed down a little. And I knew my life was unmanageable. All I had to do, I, I, I sort of threw it around. I thought, if you don't drink, you go to work. If you don't drink, you've got a couple of bob in your pocket. You know, you don't have to jump trains. You don't have to thieve cars. You can pay your way. You know? These, these are the things you need to do. You have to change. You have to change. And I thought, OK, so I'll select the power, and that became Alcoholics Anonymous. And when I spoke to this bloke again, he said, do you think you've accepted you're an alcoholic? And I said, I do, because when I get up in the morning now, I say, please, God, don't let me have a drink today. And he said, there's your power, mate. There's your power. Where? God. Yeah. Yeah, God's uh, helped me a lot. You know, please God, get me out of this. I promise I'll never do it again. Didn't happen. <laughs> please God, let me win Tats Lotto. Didn't happen. Please God, let me steal a good car. Didn't happen. <laughs> you know, let me get in and out of this place without being pinched. Didn't happen. You know. But, uh, yeah, I found a power, and that was over a, a matter of uh, over quite some time. In 1994, from 1974 till 1994, in and out of AA, in and out of a few other places, not being able to accept my alcoholism, not looking at it as, as a disease. You know, I mean, I didn't want to have a disease. Jeez. I've been to the quacks a few times with them. You know, these uh, so-called diseases. Social disease, I think they were called. <laughs> but uh, this one, you know, it's uh, for the rest of my life. But what happened, 1994, my son rings me. Dad, why don't you go back to Alcoholics Anonymous where your real friends are and stop hanging around with these crazy bastards? And he started crying. He said, the alcohol's killing you, Dad, it's killing me and it's killing your daughter. Go back to where your real friends are. A couple of weeks later, I ended up in Heatherton Hospital. I was introduced to a little Anglican nun and she said... Uh, what we do is have a look at you, you know, where you came from, da-da-da-da-da-da. We went through all that. And she said, here's a list of, you know, you've been in trouble in all these areas. You were drunk. Every time you got into trouble, you were drunk. When you fronted the court, you were drunk. When you thieved, you were drunk. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. If you don't drink, she said, I don't believe life will get any better, but you will. And I did. And um, my life's okay. 
I have a wife now that manages my life. Well, helps me. And, um, yeah, and I, I admit that I'm powerless over alcohol. I admit that. But I'll tell you what, there's a, there's a power in Alcoholics Anonymous and, and I feel it today and, and I, I was walking up here and I started to shake a bit and it was like going to the county court again. <laughs> and um, thank God no one's pulled out a pen and paper. I'd be out of here. But, um, yeah, look, Alcoholics Anonymous is the most important thing in my life. My sobriety is the most important thing in my life today without exception. And um, I got married in sobriety at the age of 50. I'd never been married before. And uh, I got married on my 50th birthday, so I'd remember the anniversary. (laughs) I got smarter. Um, And my partner's in another fellowship, Al-Anon. And uh, that's just another way of life, completely different from the way of life I lived. And it's due to this, Alcoholics Anonymous, and a belief in God. And um, I just keep looking at this step one, and I, I, I try to... I remember someone saying to me, you know, around this show, mate, it's step one and the third tradition, or the third tradition and the first step. And uh, that's what happened with me. But things started to change, and I knew I needed to do other things, and I needed to look at other outside things. I went to a psychiatrist, da-da-da-da-da. But um, I'm sort of off the track. I find it very hard sometimes to stay on a on uh, the right line there may be a little bit of damage somewhere but um, I just hope that everyone here has a great weekend and um, after me it's got to get better you know (laughs) stick around and um, look I'm a very grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous and as I said it looks like it's going to be a great weekend And uh, I'd like to thank the committee for asking me to share. It's a real privilege. I get up here and waffle on a bit, but gee whiz, some time ago I wouldn't have said a word. It would have been all negative. But um, sometimes the words come and sometimes they don't. But uh, thanks very much for listening. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.